We're putting the band back together. Twisted Minds brought you the original fan ball. We had a bad time with enough to turn goat piss in the gas This is the Fan Ball Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're dumb, surround yourself with smart people. And if you're smart, surround yourself with smart people who disagree with you. Welcome back to another episode of the Fanball Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm here today with John Tuvey, sitting right across from me. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well, thank you. And on the line, we have Jay Clemens, still down in Atlanta. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. I will be there in a few weeks. You guys can uh, you guys can stop openly wishing for me to, to make the 17-hour drive north. It's coming. It's coming, I promise. <laughs> and you're going to live tweet that entire uh, trip, right? Isn't that the plan? Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, you know, no, what we really need is Twitter to have, you know, like on our cell phones, you have that uh, option, I don't know, like an iPhone where you Voice can give an audio text to somebody. The day uh, should be arriving soon for an audio Twitter because I would love to live tweet the entire drive just on audio alone. I'm about to shock your world, Jay. iPhones have it. It's called Bumpers. They have it now. It's an app that recently came out. <laughs> so, no, is that the bumper like uh, the guy Scott that started bumpers? Yeah, a bunch, a bunch of these, yeah, yeah. He yeah. Act, he actually had me do a couple stuff for them last year as a test, but I didn't realize that they were associated with Twitter. I didn't. I I just assumed it was another thing like Audio Boom or something yep, like that. Yep, you do bumpers yeah. and you post it to your Twitter feed as you go. There you go. Get <laughs> oh, yourself a sponsorship. Okay. So now that we've blown, yeah. blown Jay's mind, we'll move on to some tight end talk. We've talked about the other three positions. Let's uh, let's dive into a few tight ends that we are higher higher or lower on than the rest of the people at Sports Hub or Fanball, I suppose we're now called. That's true. You don't have to I refer don't. to us as Sports Hub Information Technologies anymore. Yeah. We are we are officially Fanball. No, yep, no more crap acronym. All right, so the first one we have on here with an ADP of 14 is Eric Ebron. I have him at 16, Tuvi and Jay have him at 10 and 11. Clearly I'm wrong here, so I would like John Tuvi to tell me why I'm wrong. Uh, I'm going to defer to uh, our Detroit, Detroit Lions, Lions desk and Jay Clemens because I only recently moved up uh, my ranking on Ebron <laughs> to 11, and it's in part because Jay has absolutely convinced me, and he's going to elucidate those reasons right now. Well, okay, it's pretty simple. Um, you know, I, I think the the tight end class is getting deeper. Okay, so I'll acknowledge that. So, you if you if somebody like Matt had, a, you know, Ebron at 14 in a PPR standard scoring situation, I, I'm okay with that. You know, I, I can live with that thing. But at the same time, Ebron had one touchdown last year, and yet he was still decently productive in a PPR setting. He only played in 13 games last year, guys. He finished 10th in receptions with 61. He was 14th in targets with 85, and he was 8th in uh, receiving yards among tight ends uh, with 711, and that occurred with only 13 games. So if you take the fact that he's been a pretty good bet, like uh, you hope that he's building up to that 16-game level, like something Jordan Reed could accomplish. And if you automatically assume that he'll get more than one touchdown, you know, like he, he, just from that alone, uh, considering the usage that he gets, 
uh, the, the his place in the Lions passing offense. I think automatically top, you know, number twelve is a good pick. So I think ten will end up being a good spot for the preseason. Looking at last year, he had six games of seven plus targets, two double digit outings. He uh, he he scored a touchdown in his last two season openers. So I'll give him that. Uh, like I said before, he's a physical freak when healthy, essentially playing for a big contract extension next season. And uh, let's remind people that he had two touchdowns last year that were in the red zone, deep in the red zone, that were called back on penalties. So I think the numbers, if you were to just look at it, you'd say, okay, that's a top 15, top 20 guy, when really he has the upside, uh, and it's kind of a no-brainer upside to get to that uh, 12, 11, 10, even number nine class. There are a lot of great analytical minds on Twitter in the fantasy football space, and uh, and they are really in love with Ebron right now. You're seeing a lot of stats and, and analytics being thrown out there in support of him uh, just based on uh, his share, his uh, efficiency, his production, his performance. And as you mentioned, he was a top 10 tight end with in receptions and yards in only 13 games. So in that offense, uh, th- those are among the reasons that uh, that I've got him bumped up to 11. I'd be perfectly happy waiting on the tight end position. Pretty much everybody in my league will have one, and I'll grab Eric Ebron, and I'll be just, just fine with that. Another note to mention is Detroit lost 22 red zone uh, targets. I, I've mentioned on several shows now that when Anquan Bolden left, Ebron could easily capitalize on a few of those. I agree. I agree. In fact, uh, here's the thing. I used to, as a Lions fan, I should be bitter at him, okay? Um, because he was drafted in, instead of Odell Beckham and Aaron Donald. Obviously, they're not tight ends, but those guys are all world performers. In fact, what was it? Pro Football Focus has Aaron Donald as the number one player in the NFL right now. So that's a big thing to take. But at the same time, I cannot penalize, penalize the Lions for at least viewing favorably the upside of tight ends. I would never personally take a tight end in round one of an NFL draft unless it was at the bottom. Um, so I, I, but I don't want to hold that against him forever because he is a, he's a good player. He, uh, he tries to play hurt as much as possible. Um, you know, and he's a good physical specimen and he's got a lot of upside moving forward. So I'm confident that, uh, especially in a PPR role that he can live up to the top 10 billing. So you mentioned rookies in the first round of the NFL draft, a guy I'm low on, we're going to jump around here a little bit. A guy that I'm low on is Evan Ingram, lower than you guys. Just have no faith in rookie tight ends, even though he's he's going to be basically a wide receiver for the Giants. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. I have him 20. Jay, you have him 16, and Tuvi has him 18. Uh, Tuvi, you, I know you really, really like Ingram. Uh, plead your case. He is essentially a wide receiver. We talked about this on the last, last podcast. He's Mike Evans after a good meal. I mean, he's he's what ten pounds heavier and, and the same height. And I think eventually he walks into the Brandon Marshall role in in New York's offense. You know, Beckham is a great red zone target. Um, I don't know that they're going to really threaten anybody in the running game, but. After Brandon Marshall goes away in a couple years, I think that's a role for Ingram. And there's no reason why, if you've got Beckham on one side of the field and Marshall on the other side of the field, that Ingram can't already work the middle of the field. So I think they're going to incorporate him. They're going to move him around. Uh, I would that that 18 ranking that I have on him is is banking on him stealing a few touchdowns, not necessarily from Beckham or from Marshall, but from whatever they decide to go with at the goal line uh, at running back. What do you think, Jay? 
Uh, well, you know, it, it feels like to be just offended the 18 ranking, where I would think the 18 is more of a sad placeholder because, uh, you know, it, that means that you're in the 16-team league every week, you're not even starting. So, you know, like I, I think of it as a placeholder. Like, um, you know, I view him as receiver, but at the same time, as we mentioned in the receiving podcast, uh, if Sterling Sharp, uh, if Sterling Sharp, if uh, Sterling Shepard played for another, any other team outside of the Giants, you know, if he played for an AFC South team, we'd be thinking of him as one of the better number two receivers that you could get in fantasy. Instead, he's kind of mired in this role as being the number three option, and he might even be the number four option in the red zone if Engram lives up to the billing of being a strong red zone guy that he had in, that he that, that he showed in college. So, uh, if if Engram shows any kind of potential for six touchdowns even you know as a rookie then I think 18 would be a rather low ranking uh, because you know I don't know what he's going to get for catches but I do know that uh, I'm willing to bet at least that whatever the targets that he gets that he will catch at least 75 percent of those balls so if he can get 75 percent of the balls from the catch target ratio and flirt with five to six touchdowns I think 18 will be a rather low ranking uh, at the end of the year. Yeah, if he does that, he would have one of the best tight end years in the last twenty years. It's I, I just that's my problem. I can't bank on rookie tight ends, uh, no matter how much potential they have. Let's let's go to one of two V's players. He has Jimmy Graham at number three, and I actually kind of like it. <laughs> I really like Jimmy Graham this year. We're all reasonably high, having all having him in the top six. Uh, Jay. Jimmy Graham, for you, you have him the lowest at six. Can you see him being a top three guy? Oh, yes. He, uh, there was a time where he was on the track to be a Hall of Famer, so why, he, why couldn't he replicate that? Um, the, the only thing that gets me is that his targets are good, but not exceptional relative to tight ends. Uh, he did play all 16 games last year. If he had played 13 and he had finished with 95, I'd be a lot more upbeat. Uh, his catch to target ratio was somewhere in that 64% range, which is good. He, he's going to need to flirt with eight or nine touchdowns for me to take him seriously uh, at a PPR standing. In the standard scoring, I could make the argument for top five easily, but for PPR, there's just more guys that, that I expect to see the ball on a regular basis. In fact, I'm looking at Graham right now. Uh, last year, he had a stretch where um, from week three to week he had nine targets, eight targets, nine targets, and then ten targets. And after that, he only had two games of eight or more. So, and then in fact, uh, in his what last six, he had um, four or fewer uh, targets five different times. So it's one of those things where you know if, if he's healthy, great. But at the same time, he needs to be consistently good all year for me to to really take him seriously in terms of top three, top four in a PPR. Right. And two v you having three you. You have him above Greg Olson and Jordan Reed. Do you think Olson falls off the cliff? Jordan Reed's going to get injured. Uh, it's it's not a common take. I'm worried about what that offense is going to do in Carolina. It was it was really dependent on Greg Olson last year, but now that they've got McCaffrey, um, they're maybe going to try and dial back the the running of Cam Newton. Um, I just think there's going to be some changes in the way that offense runs. I still think Olson's a a quality tight end, but uh, I, I'm kind of concerned as to what exactly his role will be. And I don't know that it's going to be, you know, a top, you know, a top three role. Whereas I think Graham healthy, um, you know, after a, a full, what year and a half now removed from 
um, from the knee injury. Mm -hmm. So he's back on the field. Russell Wilson's healthy. And I like Doug Baldwin, but there's really no clear-cut second receiver in Seattle that's, you know, I, th I think it's a it's Baldwin and Graham as the top two targets. And, and you can debate which one is one and which one is 1A. And especially when you get down to the red zone, they used to have Marshawn Lynch that they'd hand it off to. I don't know that either Rawls or Lacey is the go-to guy at the at the stripe anymore either. So everything that, that is kind of factoring out in Seattle points to more looks, more touchdown opportunities for Jimmy Graham. And as Jay said, he was on track to be a Hall of Famer. I think he's back physically to that level, and I don't know that he's ever going to get the looks that he got in New Orleans, but I think Seattle depends upon him enough that um, I liked him. I, I like him as, as my number three tight end. I'm willing to uh, to go to bat for him. If I'm taking a tight end early, I'm probably not jumping early enough to take Gronk or Kelsey, but I will go early and, and take Jimmy Graham. Well, I'll, okay, can I throw shade on that for one second? Just from one ancillary set. Uh, last year, Russell Wilson and Nell Grand, he was injured where, where he could play, but his mobility was seriously in doubt uh, for like a five-game span, six-game span, whatever it was. His uh, pass attempts last year were 546. Uh, his previous high was 483, and that was the previous year. Uh, during the championship years for the Seahawks, where they were, you know, like floating with the Super Bowl legitimately, his, he was going for 407, 452, and 483. So if you, if you believe everything the Seahawks have been carping about this year in terms of they're going more conservative, they're getting back to the running game, things like that, it might not matter if the, the Seahawks don't really have a true number two receiver, which would kind of let Graham fill that void. It, to me, it's still a question of even if he's number two in terms of red zone uh, attempts uh, for the Seahawks, does that really mean anything at the end of the day? I'm being dead serious. He needs to get double-digit touches to support him being a top-three guy in the PPR because he just doesn't get the target. And and I'm saying that I don't necessarily buy if my backfield is Lacey, Rawls, and Procise, and my offensive line looks like the Seahawks' offensive line and my defense is getting older. I don't buy that I can be the Seattle Seahawks from a couple of years ago. I think I need to throw a little bit more. I think I want to take advantage of Russell Wilson. I think his attempts will be more in line with what you saw last year, and I think that bodes well for Jimmy. Just a little a little side thing. Jimmy Graham is about a year and a half away from being number five on the all-time tight end receiving list. Do you think he makes the Hall of Fame? Either one of you, just a quick yes or no before we move on. Not right now. Uh, three years from now, we'll talk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think he'd need to have three years of being a a top five tight end, and even then, he'd he'd be borderline because gotcha. I think you got to have a stretch to to uh, to get yourself at that position into the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. It's kind of it's kind of like Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford, a different position, I know, but he's the fastest quarterback to thirty thousand yards in the NFL history. And you would assume that that would mean that you're eventually going to be a Hall of Famer. Well, if you, yeah, I know it's different for a quarterback, but if Stafford doesn't win any playoff games, if he doesn't kind of get back into that mold of going for 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, then like this, it's going to, it might be kind of a useful stat where Graham, you know, he looked great for the Saints, but say Graham plays the, follow, the final, you know, seven or eight years of his career, not in a Saints uniform, and every year he kind of has a drop-off relative to what he did in New Orleans, it's going to be really hard for someone to justify him as a Hall of Famer because they could say, well, they could just say, they could point to almost an inflation, mm -hmm. an artificial inflation because he was in, uh, playing for the Saints. Yeah, I think there are a lot of those 
edge guys in the NFL trying to like even Marshawn Lynch is one. He was numbers wise. He's just nowhere near the hall of fame, but he plays two more thousand yard seasons. He becomes a maybe kind of guy. Um, moving, moving on here. Let's, let's go. Let's go back to uh, uh, Austin Hooper. Let's go to Austin Hooper. He is ranked anywhere from 15th to 22 on our rankings. His ADP is wide receiver 24, so it seems like we're all a little higher than the ADP on you. And 2V, you are the highest at 15. I'm a uh, Austin Hooper believer. I think uh, he beats out uh, uh, Ty Lolo in that uh, in that offense. And again, there's there's no as much as I like Mohamed Sanu, the the ADP on him says nobody's buying him as a number two receiver. So if even if that offense drops back a little bit. I think there are some targets to be had. You know, Hooper was what a second round pick last year. I think he's in their plans. Uh, I think he's he's in contention for the number two target in Atlanta. And obviously, Julio's going to get his. But you know, ADP of uh, twenty four as as if, if you draft two tight ends in a twelve team league and he's the last guy off the board. I've got him at 15, and I wouldn't be disappointed with him if I ended up having to start him. I think the the upside of that he has is as a viable every week fantasy starter at 15. I'm uh, I'm just hedging my bet a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a, I like Austin Hooper, but in redraft leagues, I'm just never drafting two tight ends, so I never <laughs> I never see him going. But you're right, he is. If you want to stream a tight end, if you want to just like ignore the tight end position. Austin Hooper is definitely a guy that you can go after either late or on your waiver wire and, and might end up having a full-time starter. Now, Jay apparently hates Austin Hooper, even though he's above the ADP. And he's uh, I, I think Atlanta. Jay was... Uh, no, he's at the ADP. He's, he's actually at 24. I've got him at 24, just like the ADP. Well, there so. you go. Were you at a bar and he you know, he came over and spilled a drink on you or, or walked out with your girl or something? What happened here? Well, here's a case of me talk, uh, you know, hyping up the uh, tight end depth, okay? It almost makes me physically ill that I've got Zach Miller and O.J. Howard behind Hooper, you know, because, like, I guess this is, is a good thing because it just means that the tight end class is getting deeper and deeper and things like that. You know, I like Hooper. I thought he was a good player in college, but let's, let, you know, where you end up. You know, drafts have, you know, elections have consequences. Drafts have consequences as well, Okay. He, um, you know, I've got my notes here. Let's be honest here. Even in, like, if you you got to factor in Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, who I love more than just about any running, any person in, in fantasy in the in this country probably loves Tevin Coleman. Um, if you factor in Julio Jones, uh, Freeman, Coleman, uh, Muhammad Sanu, even Taylor Gabriel, that means that Hooper is probably the sixth best option, receiving option for the Falcons. Okay. So right away, that just minimizes everything. In fact, uh, since Tony Gonzalez retired, I think well, he retired in 2013, so the last three seasons, the Falcons tight ends have collectively, collectively averaged only 79 targets per season, okay? And that doesn't mean it's all uh, Jacob Tammy and then a couple of guys. It's just been a whole big melange of just math with that group in the last three years. Uh, Hooper did not have more than six targets in any game last year. I know he was a rookie. But still, no more than six targets in any game. And he only surpassed three receptions once last season. So, yeah, he's, he probably stands to improve in year two. But I need to see more evidence that uh, that he should be anything beyond 24 right now. 
Uh, like Matt said, if you don't take a backup tight end, say you're in a top 12 team draft and three or four guys don't even take a backup tight end, there's, there's really no reason to expect Cooper being drafted at all. He was definitely Tammy blocked last year. And <laughs> if you look at, uh, I, I realize the targets are down for the Falcons, and I know you're a big targets guy, but uh, touchdowns last year at the tight end position, the only teams that scored more tight end touchdowns than the Falcons last year were the Chargers, Colts, Pats, and Bucks. So I think there's a lot of room for growth in, in year two for Hooper, and uh, I'll be happy to be on that side of the whiteboard bet. Especially if he well, takes, I will uh, acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah, he did score two touchdowns in his last four games, including the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying he cannot be productive around the red zone. But guys, we're talking about a PPR situation here for the most part. And uh, you know, I'm high on Eric Ebron, and he scored one touchdown last year. Like uh, targets matter. You know, unless you're Ty Montgomery, um, you know, or you know, unless you're magically well, no tight ends take uh, kick returns, but like. Uh, you know, targets oh, are the only Niles way you Paul can score would argue outside with you on of that. a guy fumbling in the end zone, and you recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. So targets matter in a PPR situation. And uh, for Hooper, it's just it's just hard for me to envision him consistently being anything above the fifth receiving option. Uh, you know, on a, on a for a week with the Falcons. Not to mention the the Falcons' offense was it had one of their best years ever last year. You you got to imagine there's going to be a little bit of regression there. Um. Let's move on to Jack Doyle. I apparently am way too high on him. I actually did a mock this morning with the NFL.com boys, and and I had him sitting there, and I did not take him where I thought. So maybe I'm maybe I'm actually lower on him than I think I am, but I really do like him this year. I think he's going to finish a tight end one. He was a tight end one last year, and now Dwayne Allen's gone. They use tight ends a lot. They target the tight ends in the red zone a ton. Uh, Tuvi, do you, do you think I'm completely off base or just a little bit off base? I don't think you're completely off base. It, it really just depends on what kind of share. I mean, he was he was the touchdown guy with uh, with Allen getting some of the workload last year, um, and then Allen was nicked up, so he, he probably saw more. But the Colts love to throw to their tight end. I'm looking at the stats now. They were top five in tight end receptions. They were top five in tight end touchdowns. They were top 10 in tight end yardage. So that's where they like to go with the ball. And it's not like they did anything to the receiving core or the backfield that's going to take away any of those targets. So if you're buying Doyle as a top 10 tight end, you're saying Eric Swoop's probably not coming in and making a huge dent. But even if he takes a little bite off, there's enough to go around Mm -hmm. uh, among the tight ends that you know I've got him at 12 I've got him at the end of my viable fantasy starters Jay has him at 13 right at that cusp as well Uh, you've got him at eight so a little bit higher than I think the rest of us but like you said you get to a spot in the draft where do I pull the trigger on him or not and you opted not to so maybe maybe you need to search your soul son do a little self-reflecting and see (laughs) what the deal is yeah, I, I did take the guy I had at nine above in front of him in that mock. So maybe I do need to knock him down a peg or two. You you a Colts tight end or Jack Doyle guy, Jay? Well, okay, keep in mind, I did not know. They played the Lions last year week one. So I had no idea who Jack Doyle was, okay? Um, <laughs> and then that's fine. That's a lot, a lot keep of fans. He had two sure. touchdowns in that game. He was the breakout star of that, star of that game in terms of you guys ever remember there was a guy named Frisman Jackson? Oh, yeah. The poster ago. child for, for that. Cleveland had this Cleveland Browns. Game, week yep. one. Everyone picked him up. He did nothing after that. Well, Jack Doyle obviously did other things, but uh, he, I kind of gave him the Frisman Jackson treatment last year. 
he had two touchdowns. But keep in mind, in a PPR setting last year, for that game against the Lions where, what, I'm looking at it, 74 points were scored total by the two teams. He still only had seven, 18 and a half fantasy points. That was essentially his second highest tally of the year in a game where no one knew who he was. And keep in mind, in that week one game, the Lions, three catches, 35 yards, two touchdowns, only four targets. So I like him, but I think my ranking, uh, I'm looking at it right now. What do I have him at? Uh, looks like he's, what, a 12th or no, he's 13th. I think that's fair, but at the same time, if, if I had to bet from right now and assume full, assuming full health that 13 or four, you know, 13 right now is a push, if I had to go higher or lower by season's end, I would probably bet lower just because I think the guys below him have higher upside. Do you, you think swoop takes? I mean, Dwayne Allen left and took six touchdowns and like a dozen red zone targets and like 50, I think 56, 52, 52, uh, just regular targets with him. Do, do you think that gets split up? I mean, if you add what Doyle did last year and add even half of that to Doyle, uh, which would be, you know, 25 more targets, three more touchdowns, et cetera. Sure. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty decent year. The, yeah, but keep in mind, the Colts, it's time for the Colts to, to bring it in terms of with their four receivers. Yeah, uh, they've yeah. got, you know, if you include Philip Dorsett, and I love Kamari and I thought Kamari Kim was um, highly underrated. In fact, uh, you you know, I've heard him, he's kind of a little bitter about how the Ravens basically just pretended like what he did two years ago was almost because it was a battlefield promotion that he really couldn't bring it. And uh, he did a serious interview about a month ago where he he was driven to prove Baltimore wrong. And so, you know, he's a good number three. And I think, I think the world of Dante Moncrief as a wide receiver too. So at the same mm-hmm. time, those are four guys. That they've got to start justifying taking Philip Dorsett at the end of round one from, what, three, four years ago. So, you know, Jack Doyle, it's great that he's been moved up because of uh, Dwayne uh, uh, Allen moving to New England. But, you know, it's not like Swoop has a whole big, like the vacuum effect that Swoop can fill as the number two guy might be enough. And if you factor in Dorsett and uh, Aiken and Moncrief, I don't know if Doyle just has a ton of upside. And, uh, you know, I hope to be wrong. I'm I'm always happy when I'm wrong because that means people that – drafted him, uh, you know, end up being redeemed in some level. But at the same time, I just don't see his upside being that great beyond number 13. Gotcha. There, there, there are a lot of mouths to feed there, and there are also a lot of mouths to feed in Miami. And every single one of them looks absolutely amazing and is going to break out this year, according to everyone in Miami. So let's talk about Julius <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> uh, I think I think I'm the highest on him, which makes me mad because I don't really like him that much. <laughs> so I have him at 14. Two V and J, you guys have him at 22 and 19 respectively, which is. Probably a lot more accurate, and I'm going to move him down in a few minutes here. But uh, <laughs> 2v, you're the lowest. Why don't you start? What what don't you like? Well, you've got the, the ADP at uh, at 15, so you're much closer to Joe Public than, than the rest of us. Yeah, but, I uh, want to do the opposite a, now. As we've been uh, talking here, I've been thumbing through some Miami tight end stats from last year. Jay's a big targets guy. Dolphins tight ends last year had more than five targets once in 16 games that was jordan cameron in week two they had more than 53 receiving yards once and that was marquise gray in week six 
Now, yes, Adam Gase has been known to put his tight end to good use. Yes, Julius Thomas is far more talented than, well, I, I would argue that Jordan Cameron is of a similar vein when he was healthy. I believe he's uh, no longer playing right with the concussion. I think they've, uh, that he's uh, just no, hung correct. him up. Yeah, that's, uh, which is disappointing because he's obviously a talented guy and, and shame to see him have to hang him up at, uh, at a young age. But Marquise Gray was a college quarterback here in Minnesota. Deion Sims was uh, more of a blocking tight end, really, than a, than a pass-catching tight end. Dominique Jones, I mean, it's not like the Dolphins had a ton of talent at the at the position, so they traded to add Julius Thomas to the mix. But I, I just don't see the big opportunity. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of mouths to feed, and, and Devontae Parker's supposed to be the breakout star um, of the year, and Jarvis Landry's going to get his 190 targets or whatever he's going to get, and Jay Ajayi is going to get more targets, and plus he's going to carry the ball 400 times. And then they still got Kenny Stills, and you don't see Ryan Tannehill moving up the quarterback rankings, so something's got to give among yep. all those targets, and... My concern is that it's going to be Julius Thomas. I'm not. I'm not banking on anything fantasy wise from him, with a ranking of 22. If uh, if I'm forced to take two tight ends, maybe in a best ball league or something, maybe that's a dart I throw at uh, at the end of the draft. But uh, I'm not uh, overly excited about it. Mine is simply a placeholder. Like I'll admit it. Like uh, when we're recording this right now, it's uh, before training camp's beginning uh, has begun. Uh, you know, it's a placeholder because. Yeah, I remember the 24 touchdowns in 2013 and 14, but he was a major disappointment in Jacksonville. I will say this, though. Guys, I've got an eye test question for you, okay? When he had those two, 24 touchdowns in the two seasons with Denver, it was he obviously had a good quarterback throwing to him, mm-hmm. but Denver had a lot of offensive parts to distract the opposing defense, yeah. okay? And if you remember eye test-wise, there wasn't a lot of Julius Thomas touchdowns during that two-year run where they were thrown to the back shoulder or they were, or Peyton was throwing into a little tiny thing. I think you remember the vast majority of his touchdowns during that period were ones where they were throwing jump balls to him or he was streaking down a, on a seam route in the middle, down the field, basically wide open. So if you think that Miami has all these playmakers, like the Clyde Christensen, the offense coordinator, has been talking up, and even Gates has been a little, shown a little bravado about his confidence in that group. If you perceive J.I. to be a top-five guy potentially in fantasy, if you perceive Parker and uh, Landry and Stills to be a top, you know, in terms of a a three-group there, to be like top-five, top-ten, then that means the opposing defenses can only guard so many people. So if Thomas is fully healthy, if he's fully committed to kind of redeeming his career at what age? He's, what, is he 29? I think he's 29. Um, Yeah, in fact, today's his birthday. Happy birthday, Julius Thomas. 29th wow. birthday. How about that? <laughs> nice. um, uh, if, if you believe all that to be true, then the eye test production that he had in Denver in terms of getting jump balls in the red zone or streaking down the, uh, you know, the, uh, the seam of, you know, of his own defense, then maybe he can replicate the success. But, you know, he's had what? He hasn't had a 16 game season in his career. So, you know, that's, that's job one right there is just staying healthy, staying on the field, staying productive being focused every week and right now he hasn't shown that so just out of courtesy to him uh wherever i have him right now is merely a placeholder and nothing more Mm. yeah and he is he is back with uh adam gase which he who he had for those two 12 touchdown years i remember one of those years was just 
crazy amount of production for the amount of catches he had. Like he, he didn't have that many catches, but he had 12 touchdowns. If I remember correctly, 43 for 489 and 12. Yeah. In 43 in the 2014 had 12 touchdowns on 43 catches. Yeah. That's, think? that's not obviously the following year. He, he must've had more. Cause that's just nothing. That's like Ty- Tyreek Hill this year. It's just not a repeatable thing. Yeah. As the, the guys that are much yeah, smarter than good. me that do the analytical stuff say that's not a sustainable, sustainable. Yep. Not sustainable. But, <laughs> That's the beauty of it, too. He's had nine total touchdowns in the last two years. If anything, the bar will never be lower than it is right now. Right. Um, even last year with Jacksonville coming off Bortles' great year in 2015, I, I had sky-high thoughts for Thomas, you know, in a, at least in a touchdown-heavy or a PPR setting. So uh, the, the bar has never been lower with this kid, and yet he has upside to get it done because there's really nobody on the depth chart that will challenge him. And uh, Miami will throw the ball, and he should not ever see a double team at any point all season. Right. There's just too many weapons there. So we are going to wrap up this tight end podcast. Uh, If you didn't listen to the quarterbacks, running backs, or wide receivers, those should be available. If you're listening to this, those should be available. And uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, all the regular places. For uh, I think next week, what are we going to, before I go into that next week, what are we going to talk about punter rankings? Yeah. Let's bring out, we'll dust off some punters, some special teams rankings. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So Jay, you get your, punch, uh, you get I your would rather do a ranking stuff. of the quality is the quality control assistant coaches. Water boy rankings coming up next week. Ballpark food. I think was, is our podcast next week. That that's actually not a bad idea. No, I, I think, think we're being down, down with that. That that sounds like a pretty good idea. Will Will Fanball pay for us to go <laughs> go test that? There we're in kind of a gray area. <laughs> All right, but Jay, on your drive up, stop at every ballpark that's open and yep. uh, and bring us some food. Give us a full report. <laughs> Have you guys driven from Atlanta to Minnesota very very much? Uh, like, uh, it is nothing but the state of Illinois, and we all know that the state of Illinois is having some trouble. I'm a little worried that the roads won't even be working. When I'm <laughs> oh. So, for Jay Clemens at ATL underscore Jay Clemens, John Tuvey at Jay Tuvey. For the moment. And, and, <laughs> yep. And myself at Scottfish24. Thanks for listening. See you next time. very surprised to hear that we was doing a special football show but we've been fans of football for many years i mean what other game boasts such great names like dick butkus (laughs) or my favorite bob greasy (laughs) now isn't he a tight end he was